podcast got that feeling. I see and muse, and we're rhyming and stealing. This is going on podcast with Rap Critic and Muse. I was just chilling, ready to take a bit of a break from uh, doing the show, and then because you know I, I heard your boy, you know what I'm saying. On your end, you got to take a little bit of a break. You know, you got to take a little bit of a pausa. You know, to, to, to handle some stuff you gotta handle on your end, you know? And then I see all these music videos, BET Network is, uh, you know, showing you all the clips from the award show and showing you all the music videos and all the special performances. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. This is, out. Oh, wow, what a way to start the day. Man, sucks that we don't have uh, the podcast coming up because he has to do it. And then, and then in my mind, I was like, no, but we're doing one more this week. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> See, the deal is, and I'm going to make this real quick, um, because of other engagements, uh, I may, there is a potential uh, that I won't be able to do the show for what seems to be two months, even though it is completely out of my hands. I do want to apologize to the people who have requested reviews, uh, because they're going to take a little while longer to get to. But we definitely needed to do at least one more. One of our listener requests. Uh, there's a bit of a story <laughs> there. <laughs> they wanted it specifically reviewed the first week of July. Mm. And we just happened to be recording it on uh, Canada Day, the 1st of July. It is the Canadian rock band, The Tragically Hip. I think they were next in the queue, but it was earlier in the year. And they were like, oh, no, I'll wait, I'll wait. And then July came around, and we, like, either forgot or skipped it because it wasn't in the right order. And I was like, oh, man, I'm so sorry, we forgot it, so you wanted us to do it next week. And they were like, no, that's fine, I'll just wait till next July. <laughs> it's a request from the way, way back from my fucking Patreon before Kofi even launched. Uh, but we'll get to that later on in the show, because we gotta talk about the BET simulcast on CBS for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I can only uh, speak to the few performances I, wa- I uh, bothered to check out, because I can't honestly say that I was interested in all of them. Uh, me neither. I want to start with Megan Thee Stallion. You know, let's start light. The fucking Mad Max uh, Fury Road themed shit. That was so fucking cool. I know this is kind of a thing with award shows anyway, especially BET, that a lot of their performances and the ciphers are pre-recorded anyway. So it doesn't really seem to have an impact on like, oh, it being the quarantine, we can't really have the award show the way we're used to having it. It's very weird. To see Megan being, what's up, BET Awards? And it's yeah. just like, you know the context and you know this isn't airing the way they probably intended it. I think it was funny how they decided to go with the Beyonce remix, because it's the one that's getting a lot of radio play. So, mm-hmm. okay, we're, we're going to play that. And unfortunately, Beyonce not in the video. So Megan's just yeah. going to twerk the whole time. I don't <laughs> have an issue like, with it, you know. I'm just going to fucking feel myself. <laughs> no and complaints I'm just gonna twerk. over here through this feature i'll be back in a second yeah i thought that was a really good use of the time but yeah solid performance two of her honestly i believe probably like best songs so far and then they added little touches to it too there was a little bit of like drumming that happened at certain parts when the beat dropped out that i thought was so cool little bit of guitar that like really kicked off at like the last little part there that i was like oh shit i was like wait can we get this version sometime (laughs) can we get this version somewhere please How about N.W.A., Nas, mm-hmm. Rhapsody, Black Thought, 
the list goes on and on. It definitely had the feeling of like, it sounded like it was being done like, well, not on the fly, but like it sounded like it was still kind of live in a way, but they still made it like a music video and shit. So that was just kind of cool in and of itself. It was interesting to see the power duo, if you want to put it that way, uh, back together. Yeah, especially after the little little tussle from before and i'm thinking personally i'm thinking because i remember I, I listened to that podcast recently that we did on it and i was like oh man that seemed like a pretty big falling out but you know i think it's i think it's one of those things where like look these guys have known each other for how many decades you know you, you can't keep them apart you know but did you need flav uh probably not because he doesn't really have that much <laughs> you honestly could have got anyone to do Flav's part as like a hype man and I don't think anyone would have if goddamn Zack De La Rocha and Public Enemy would just do oh. these fucking songs <laughs> I like how none of us even talk about Prophets of Rage like it never oh, shit, happened. Oh that did happen didn't it? <laughs> because that was like cause Zack wasn't a part of that. Yeah that was the thing and, and it was like Cypress Hill instead for some reason it was like huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, be real, you got Tom like, oh, Morello. I, I, <laughs> I think you might have got the drummer from Rage also, so you got like half of Rage, <laughs> Chuck D's like, in there, like, be real's in the mix. don't love you, but goddammit, guys, you know who we want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, didn't really have the, I mean, I fucking saw the Bernie performance. I'm not trying to shit on Chuck, but he doesn't have the energy. <laughs> and, and, and like, come on, you're not going to get... System of a Down without the goat voice man himself. Like, it's not gonna happen. If you're gonna get someone else, it's just like, nah, nah, just don't even bother. I gotta, I gotta hear, I gotta hear the, the waggle in the vibrato, you know? Your boys tried to do the, uh, parody of Fight the Power on the podcast some, <laughs> some years ago. Oh, oh to, to, to much success, uh, I personally believe. Uh, oh, much and en- endless <laughs> praise. <laughs> Freedom of speech means free to harass. We gotta fight the hate that he speaks. Fuck the Donald. 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 We gotta get the Donald in peace. I was a little confused. As to why they left in the unaltered Elvis was the hero to most. Like, you could have done something with that. Yeah, like, Donald Trump is a hero to some, but he never meant shit to me. You know, like, just something. It could, yeah, it could literally be, I mean, I know that's what we did. I mean, you're calling out presidents, you know, in the actual song itself. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, let's go back to fucking Elvis and John Wayne. Only now are some people talking about John Wayne being racist, but, like... Elvis isn't exactly relevant at the moment. There's plenty yeah. of modern, <laughs> relevant yeah. racists you could call out. If you're going to change uh, 2020, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. If you're going to change 1999 to 2020, yeah, like, give us an update, you know, in, in that respect as well. I was thinking about the song that I showed you a couple of weeks ago, The State of the Union. State of the Union! Shut the fuck up, dude! It sounds like an <laughs> SNL parody song. <laughs> Can we get Andy Samberg? <laughs> Can we get Justin See, Timberlake? It's a sad day when Lil Baby is making better politically charged songs than Public Enemy. Yo. But here we are. You know, if you... Stay if you had, shut the fuck up! Sorry, that's motherfuckers! Stay away from me! 
Stay away from me! Okay. All right. But, uh, yeah, you know, Black Thought on that, uh, double couple of verses on there. And great intro by the person who was singing. Keydron Bryant sang the intro. Verified account, 707 followers. That's all you need is that one performance. My mom, Jonetta Bryant, wrote a song titled I Just Wanna Live. I sang it, and it's going viral. It's cool to see, uh, to see them putting some young folks at the front of it, really making it a whole community type jam mm. not and not enough praise i mean her name isn't even in the fucking name of the video but rhapsody come on yeah, fucking Rhaps- showing up coming through mm-hmm. rhapsody black thought nas ha- had a i think he had the final verse and it was really good as expected you know yeah i, I gotta say nas kind of got swallowed up in that uh, yeah, I mean, because it's so fucking massive of a track. <laughs> they just fucking sat him down in a chair, and he seemed yeah. so, like, whatever. <laughs> but it's like, what he was saying is like, oh, wait, that's really fucking poignant, though, you know? Yeah. I think we gotta get to my highlight. <laughs> fucking baby. Yes! With the rock star performance, Jesus Christ. That song has been uh, inescapable as of late. And if you would have asked me what the performance would have been like, I probably wouldn't have thought it would have been that. I don't know what I would have had in mind, but goddamn. This ain't your uh, average Post Malone performance, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) No. Oh, man. Who who has been quite silent? (laughs) I heard someone making that joke. It's like, you know, okay, we're getting... We're getting on J. Cole for, you know, not being out enough. But, like, okay, he's actually been out there. Like, where the fuck has, uh, you know, the culture appropriator extraordinaire been? I will say, like, I don't think every, you know, artist should ipso facto, oh, an important thing is going on, you have to make a song. You know, like, because, again, you might not be mentally or just talent-wise up to the task <laughs> of doing so. You yeah. know, like, it's it, it could be one thing to say, like, all right, I'm going to admit... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not able to do that. (laughs) I'm going to suck at it. You know, so like you got to give people that. But at the same time, like to make the attempt is something to be commended on its own. And like with this song, like originally I remember listening to the song and it was like, you know, it's a, it's a normal sort of like, I remember we we listened to it for the uh, album review, didn't we? It was like sort of like a, you know, chill song that like brings up cops every now and then or something like that. So listening to it, it was just like. It, it really felt, like, invigorated with, like, a new sort of thing. Like, it really did feel like a different song, you know what I mean? Hearing songs we reviewed on the show out in the wild, like, outside of the context of a review, always feels weird. Like, mm-hmm. we reviewed the Doja Cat album, but something about hearing Say So on the radio so. yeah. felt different, and I don't know what it was, but, like, I almost, like, I remember in the review, I was like, yeah, whatever, and I barely even talked about it. But once I got radio play, I was like, oh, shit, say so. And I really, like, liked it more than I did when we reviewed it. I don't know what it is. And, and you know, it's also context. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, you know, yeah. you listen to a bunch of songs that could sound better or worse than another song. And then you just hear a song by itself with a cool video that makes it feel even cooler. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, um, but like, like we were saying, going back to the video, 
the baby coming in with with the the fucking thickest of thick chains like what is that but yeah invoking an image burned into the minds of into the psyche of america and probably the world at this point like i said it's not like this song is like very directly about the police or anything like that yeah in the way that it evokes it in the way that it uses the imagery in the way that it like catches the zeitgeist and puts this important event in your mind in the same kind of way that like you know when beyonce did her you know what i'm saying black panther performance in a way it you fucking know like works yeah it fits yeah it's like not everything needs to be let's sit down and tell you and deconstruct racism sometimes it needs to be like we're fucking angry and we're gonna shove this in your face because we're fucking mad and we're not we're not forgetting about it you know what i mean right yeah um and again i i i, I did think it was very classy the way they did it too. Like again, the song's not directly related, but there's lots of lyrics that are really punched up in your face to be like, no, like fuck a cop car and shit like that, you know? Yeah. And I did like the way they they filmed it, where it's like when the cut happens and you show the heavenly clouds and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? And then it cuts to like someone wearing the "I am George Floyd," you know, like that's that's tasteful. You know what I mean? Like that's artistic and shit. You know. If they would have tried to do this on stage, it probably wouldn't have had the same effect. Like, I I remember Kendrick's performance was uh, pretty impactful at the Grammys, was it? I'm of the belief, like, people love music videos, people love seeing stuff like this and powerful statements, and uh, you know, along with music. People love it, people crave it, people want to see it. MTV fucked up by not jumping on the fucking YouTube thing and, like... Yep. You know what I'm saying? Making their videos, uh, making music videos accessible online as soon as possible. Like, I'll always be the person to say that. And so, like, when I see moments like this where it's just like, yeah, people want, people are craving to see their favorite artists do a cool-ass fucking performance saying some shit. You know what I mean? But it's just like, you know, industry willing to actually invest the time into caring about where, you know where trends are going and, and and caring to put on fucking shit like this is capable, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, we gotta start with Tragically Hip, right? Oh, of course. Oh, for sure. I am just gonna open up that limo and roll that red carpet out for Lauren Cates mm. for being the most patient off-goer in podcast history. Thank you for your request of fully, completely the 1992 release from Canadian rock group, The Tragically Hip. I gotta admit, I've uh, I've never listened to Tragically Hip before this. Yeah, me neither. It, it was one of those bands where I was like, do I know these people? <laughs> and it was like, they had a lot of albums and people seem to know them, but is this, is this one of those like... Oh, you know, it's one of those Montreal bands and, like, you gotta be into, like, rock and the indie scene to, like, know who they are, you know what I mean? I think it's just regional. It never really popped off as much over here. Draw, the closest comparison I could draw would be R.E.M. with a little Bare Naked Ladies Canadian aesthetic thrown in. Throw it in a blender. (laughs) That's exactly what I... I was like... Huh, that's an interesting set of R.E.M. What year did this come out? <laughs> it is right in the timeline of R.E.M. late like 80s, early 90s. I gotta say... Um, you know, a little college radio rock going on here, you know? <laughs> it's definitely college radio rock, absolutely. <laughs> Nothing on this album excruciatingly impactful Yeah. or really 
lasting with me. Yeah. I thought it was fine. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I know <laughs> for for an album waited over a year for us to review. <laughs> I feel really bad in saying this, but um, there isn't a lot particularly to say. Um, Man. Favorite cuts on the album, if I had to pick those, um, because I did not dislike this album. I don't think there was any point in the album where I was like, I want to turn this off, I'm done. I did enjoy myself throughout. Uh, Fully Completely is good. Locked in the Trunk of a Car is good. Pigeon Camera is good. Uh, I dug get the 100th Meridian. I'm trying to see what got my lowest rating, honestly, because I don't think anything dipped below a 3. No, they didn't. There's a lot of just kind of three, three and a half, kind of very middle of the road uh, type stuff. I was middling t- to bad sort of feeling. Really? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I, you, you're saying more of three. Like, I, I was getting a lot of twos. Huh. And it's just like, as I'm listening to this, I kept getting a lot of like Urban Dance Squad vibes where it's R- like. Really? No are way they making for me. sense with what he's saying? Like, Pigeon Camera? the fuck is oh, that yeah. supposed to be about it's like we burned our boots with no contingency plan oh 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 did you i think you're a bit too nitpicky in these lyrics my dude wait wait and then i look it up and it says uh uh here's the annotation on canada day 1990 george famously lit his boots on fire during a holiday concert at some uh, at a uh, barry's molson park when the band returned to play that final edge uh, edge fest in molson park some 13 years later Gord confessed that it was in fact his brother's boots which he'd torched those many years ago. Gord told the assembled mass that his brother didn't quite see the humor in it. No, I wouldn't see the humor in my brother burning my boots. I, What the fuck? What is this shit? What the fuck are these songs about? I think it's all very regional stuff at that point. <laughs> like, that, that's I why I didn't pay too, too much attention, honestly, to the lyrics. <laughs> I wasn't trying to tear it apart for that. Uh, because like, I imagine I, if there were any local references I wouldn't get, that that would go over my head. Maybe in like a Wu-Tang Clan sort of way, where it's like, oh man, you know, you gotta be a part of the neighborhood to know what's going on. But just as someone who's just listening to the album, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, like I said, uh, at the 100th Meridian, at the 100th Meridian, at the 100th Meridian, and it's just like, it keeps repeating it. I'm like, at the 100th Meridian... What? <laughs> like, what? What is important? About- and then, you know, look it up again. It's like the 100th Meridian is the line dividing between, you know, uh, uh, like the Canadian border and America. It's like, uh, okay. So there is a direct answer for all your questions is what I'm saying, though. You're sitting there going, what does this mean? And Genius is like, this is exactly what it means. And you're like, well, that's not good enough for me. No, but what I mean is it's like for it to be like, at the 100th Meridian, at the 100th Meridian. And it's like, uh, oh, <laughs> like, it just feels like these songs are just like opening up and then they're just not really saying anything like memorable or interesting or like leading anywhere. Like, it's just kind of like. What was that supposed to... <laughs> like, I'll, I'll try to look at the lyrics. Um, At the 100th Meridian, where the Great Plains begin. Yeah, at the 100th Meridian. <laughs> like, it just repeats it so much, and it's just like, this is not a memorable, cool phrase. Why do you keep saying it so much? 50 Mission Cap. Yeah, that was the oh, one. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Again, the, he, like, he keeps saying these, like, weirdly specific phrases, and I'm like, what? what is that? <laughs> 
So like, I want to know what's happening. I got my 50 mission cap. It's like, okay, that's not a common phrase. What the fuck does that mean? You know what I mean? My 50 mission cap. I worked it in. I worked it in to look like that. It's my 50 mission cap. Okay, I don't know what a 50 mission cap is. I thought it was just like a set goal, but apparently it's a thing on something now, but, and you worked it in. I don't know what worked it in means. I don't even know what the fucking cap is or what it looks like. Like, what is this? <laughs> like, you know? And, um... Then I tried to write down, like, what the actual plot was, and it's like, okay, he got 50 missions done, and, but then these two random guys, they, they went on a fishing boat, and, and he wasn't, like, he died, but they didn't discover his body until the, the next time their team won a couple of, like, like a decade or so later, and it's like a Canadian team. One of the songs that, like, I actually did kind of like just because of, like, the phrasing. To get out before he had the wherewithal. He had to get up out. He had the wherewithal. He had to get up out. He had the wherewithal. And it's just, like, one of those things where it's just, like, this just feels like a, like, it's kind of catchy, but it's just, like, feels like a half-finished thought. And it was, like, the wherewithal to what? What's the situation? The, the wherewithal is... A very awkward chorus. I will say that. Because that's not exactly a phrase that you could really base a chorus around. Yeah. And, and it feels like like a lot of these just feel like things that, like, this is the little catchy part, but then it's going to be explained by the next part. And it just doesn't do that for a lot of these songs. In comparison to R.E.M., R.E.M. songs, in my opinion, are much better written lyrically. Oh, hell yeah. And um... And, and, and in the same capacity, I'm thinking, well, you know, it's kind of abstract. R.E.M. is kind of, you know, weird and abstract. They're not they, exactly... They can be a bit cryptic, yeah. Yeah, the point isn't necessarily to just give you the point. But at the same time, I feel like when I listen to a uh, R.E.M. song, I still feel satisfied with how the song plays out. I yeah. may have questions after I listen to it, but I still feel like, ooh, but that was a still cool song. I still, fire! You know what I'm saying? I still got to feel, <laughs> sure. you know, where he was going and it led me on a journey. And afterwards, I might be like, oh, now what did that mean? But in the middle of listening to his songs, I'm just like, what the fuck was that? What was that about? Huh? What? That's how I feel. Like, I'm just left with too many questions that aren't, uh, help that aren't helped to be smoothed over by the enjoyability of the musicality, you know? And, and that's, I, I kind of was feeling that way going into not, not to spoil it, you know, too much, but with the next album, cause it's like, you know, not all Beastie Boys' lyrics, you know, make a lot of sense, but it's like, but at the same time, it's, it's giving you a mood. Like, I, I also think about like Gorilla songs, like not all Gorilla songs directly make a lot of sense, but they're giving you a certain mood and atmosphere that makes it feel like, but this is, uh, uh, like maybe if the lyrics don't all make sense, they're still peppering the full atmosphere of what the track is trying to bring through you, uh, bring to you. You know what I'm saying? But with this, it just feels so incomplete. Where I'm just hung up on, like even the fucking album title, fully, completely, fully, completely. What? <laughs> like <laughs> it just feels so oddly underwritten. I think you're overanalyzing and and, and kind of. I, I mean, if frankly, you had a good time, you know. But I mean, I had an okay time. I didn't have a great time. See, see, um, you know, and I it's not even worth time. defending. It, it, like, right? Like, you can't even fully muscle up to, like, now hold on a minute, let's break this shit down. <laughs> it, it's not, it's not worth defending, in my opinion. But I feel like the fucking deep dive that's going on here isn't, isn't like. I don't know. I think it's overkill is where I'm going. I feel like on your end, you're the will, you're Willy Wonka in it right now. You're like, no, stop, don't, don't, don't be too <laughs> I mean, I do not have a dog in this fight. <laughs> I've uh, I've never listened to the Tragically Hit before this. 
I don't know if I'm going to listen to the Tragically Hip after this. <laughs> um, I might check out different albums to see, you know, if it's different or, you know, maybe check in with people who are, are fans of theirs to be like, okay, what's like their best just to kind of see. Because musically, I didn't really have a problem with this album at all. Yeah, like it's not that, right? It's Yeah, it's like enjoyable enough. Like it gives you the vibes. It gives you that, like I said, REM feel. So that's definitely not a bad thing. Yeah, no, I'm, I I dig, you know, like you mentioned before, put it perfectly, the, the college radio aesthetic, especially for the early 90s. This is definitely, it fits that bill to a T. I'm going to have to say, and I have a feeling this is going to be considerably higher than you, I got a three and a half. Oh, no, I got a two. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had a feeling. <laughs> I wasn't... <laughs> I just wasn't feeling this album. Oh my god, Go, going to locked in the trunk of a car. The the lyrics where he was like a, a morning broke out the backside of a truck stop, end of a line, a real rainbow likening luck stop where you can say I became chronologically fucked up, put ten bucks in it just to get the tank topped off. What, oh yeah. What was that? <laughs> it was just like like he wasn't speaking like that beforehand, and then it just randomly switched to that. It's like, huh? Right afterwards, there's a lyric where, where, you know, after these, you know, uh, sort of confusing lyrics, he goes like, it'd be better for us if you don't understand. It'd be better for me if you don't understand. And I'm just like, I just literally just typed, I, I fucking guess. <laughs> <laughs> then we got to slide on over to the Beastie Boys. Woo! Uh, only two years after the Tragically Hip album. We are fucking dead. We are stuck dead in the mid 90s here. With mm -hmm. Beastie Boys, Ill Communication, requested by Dr. Goatman. Beastie Boys were the first rap group I got into Aww. as as a white boy who was very <laughs> unaware. As to like, hey, you can listen to hip-hop too. <laughs> what really appealed to me um, was that it was just kind of humorous and didn't really take themselves uh, mm -hmm. too serious, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, uh, th this album's a bit different than that. It does take itself a little more serious, but a not too, too much. A little more serious, uh, especially as we get towards the end. Uh, yeah, how about that? Um, <laughs> Whoa, man, I was... Okay, so I, my personally, I have never listened to, like, Beastie Boys outside of their, uh, you know, the big hits that we all know and the big, the big album. You know what I'm saying? So. Oh, wow, okay, we've got yeah. a fucking, we've got the inverse of Wu-Tang here because i am very very deep in the beastie mm. boys uh lore lexicon so yeah hit me with it what, what were your impressions like i of course i remember intergalactic and i remember them doing like a bunch of instrumental stuff but like when i was younger like i was more into like you know lyrics and rapping so like they were kind of fun and goofy and i kept hearing like oh well this stuff's more instrumental and i was like ah well i just kind of did mess with them but i remember just having the feeling of like but they're still like these respectable guys because like they ventured out in out in you know into making new sounds when they didn't need to you know as artists you know what i'm saying like you know that feeling of like hey they sampled so much shit and you know they were basically the fun version of public enemy production wise you know what i'm saying like they're so cool at like scratching and making all these samples but but you know taking from a lot of like i mean like a lot of white artists but like also black artists but you know just making a collage of sound that fits like you know these white you know these white jewish kids from brooklyn you know listening to license to ill and how like every song is sampling a led zeppelin song in that i think they said if it were recorded today it would it would it would be very close to if not 
uh, the most expensive album to produce. Yeah, they, they probably wouldn't have made any money. <laughs> because you can't clear those samples. But in hindsight, it's fun to think about that they started as a fucking punk group. Yeah, man. And you look at it, and it's like, wow, yeah, they did that really well. And then they just transitioned to oh, rap. Man. And it's like, what what can't these guys do, honestly? <laughs> Dude. Oh, man, listening to this album was just, like, beautiful. Like, it was just, like, a moment of, like, you know, the music that I grew up in, which is basically, you know, rap rock sort of hybrid sort of stuff, like, that was the sound of the mainstream if you weren't listening to Backstreet Boys, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, this is that. (laughs) Like, this is, like, the brainchild of all of the experimentation and weirdness that all of those, you know, dudes in the late 90s were doing. Like, they set all of this fucking up directly. But they are still so unique that you can still come back to this and it sounds nothing like any of the people after him did. Dude, I couldn't fucking... Like, this album was so, like... I already love the Beastie Boys for being like, oh, yeah, of course. I I mean, fuck the intergalactic video, dude. Like, how can you not love them? <laughs> oh, yeah. Fucking great shit. You know, so like, yeah, they were the fun guys. But this, I like they have elevated to a new level of respect in my eyes. It's weird how I because I can't place I can't put my finger on if there was a theme per se with uh, Paul's Boutique. Uh, sample wise, Paul's Boutique, even to this day, I would honestly put in probably my top 10 favorite rap albums. It's pretty damn untouchable, mm. um, in my opinion. I think it does a really good job of mixing the uh, kind of goofy, whatever. Um, it was like, okay, cool. We did the novelty song that got everyone looking at us uh, on the first album, the fucking, uh-huh. you know fight for your right to party, you know, everyone's looking at us. We're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to be more strictly, you know, hip-hop and do all of that. We're not going to really fuck around with the would-be, wannabe rock shit too much. And mm. Paul's Boutique is the one that kind of got slept on. Like, people were like, yeah, this isn't really what we want. But it huh. kind of, But in other circles, it got the respectability of like, oh, they're not just a fucking novelty group. It's not just ha-ha- white Jewish boys trying to rap like, oh shit, they actually know their shit and their stuff is produced really fucking well. Like Mario, he doesn't get talked about enough as far as fucking hip hop producers because he does not miss on this fucking album. If, If the theme on Ill Communication is Led Zeppelin, 70s, radio rock, <laughs> this is, it. I mean, it, there's a track on here specifically that is a tribute slash cover to Miles Davis. And this album mm. is so funky. Ooh, jazzy. Jazzy. So much style. Oh, man. Every track is shining with with a different style. Right? I and couldn't fucking believe it. <laughs> this is what I love, is that because you have never... I assume you've never listened to this album in full. No, i never listened to it in full before. So you had the... What people in 94 would have had (laughs) going from sure shot to tough guy. Woo! Darren, (laughs) what were you expecting? I, my eyes lit up. (laughs) I was like, oh my God. (laughs) They're fucking going there. Okay. (laughs) There was no transition at all. You got sure shot. 
It's the but it's the big radio cut. So... It's the big radio symbol uh, single. Everyone knows. Everyone loves it. It's classic. It's untouchable. Oh yeah. Track two, tough guy. I. <laughs> and and it's the weirdest thing because you're like, this is so oddly perfect. <laughs> like as you listen to it, like this shouldn't go one after the other, but it's happening. <laughs> If fucking it's it's an old school like eighties hardcore punk oh, track. Man, not even a minute long. <laughs> I just have, like that that simple just riff to intro, and it is just off to the races. I don't even care that Tough Guy and Heart Attack Man are essentially the same song. Essentially, it's fine. It doesn't even fucking matter. Doesn't even fucking matter. And. They're, they're different songs, you know? Like, they're different topics, you know? So much punk is like that, man. You listen to old Rom- uh, old Ramones songs, there are basically three <laughs> songs with different lyrics on all of them. <laughs> they're kind of indistinguishable. So you've got three categories of songs on Ill Communication. Your straightforward hip-hop tracks, you got yeah. your oddly fitting hardcore punk tracks, <laughs> and then you've just got your... S- splashed with 70s funk aesthetic instrumentals. Oh my god! <laughs> they it- don't get talked about enough as just pure <laughs> talented musicians because holy shit. I just, I was like being blessed with the flavor. <laughs> like, Dude, I wrote under track two. <laughs> I wrote just like first listening. These guys are so innovative. It's nuts. <laughs> That they were able to go back to their, like, punk roots and say, fuck it. After Pulse Boutique, we're going to do whatever the fuck we want. I mean, also, this is also after Check Your Head. I forgot to mention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this is 94. I was like, wait, there had to be another album in between there. It definitely gives you a taste. Especially, like, with So What You Want, like, the big radio hit on uh, Check Your Head. Like, gives you an idea of, like, yeah, they're going to be playing some instruments. And just really, yeah, just doing it all. Like, they can fucking do it all. It's incredible. Is there even time? Uh, <laughs> all right, let's get to B-Boys. Make it with the Freak Freak. Just the just the beasties rocking to the fullest extent. All the fucking reverb, weird hip-hop theme title, you know? <laughs> this B-Boys is for the dick, making you know it with the Freak Freak. This is for freak. the B-Boys just freaking the fuck out. They're throwing down the rhymes that almost make sense. <laughs> Beastie Boys have got a... I'll admit that I never really followed along with the lyrics to Beastie Boys songs. I just fucking jammed out to them because mm. they always just sounded good enough that... They just I, sound like they're having so much fun. And again, it's it, there is something to be accounted for with production. Like, Beastie yeah. Boys and I think uh, A Tribe Called Quest in the early yep. 90s really branched out what hip-hop was to sound like. You know what I'm saying? What hip-hop could sound like. And so, like, yeah, they, they do kind of falter lyric-wise, but it's like, you're here because of the brain-expanding musicality that these guys are giving you underneath these rhymes, you know? So that's kind of, like, that's how I think about it when I think about it, right? Like, you know, with the aesthetic and you hear all this reverb and loud shit going on, it's like, I'm not necessarily supposed to be <laughs> awing at what they're saying because I'm supposed to be just, like, rocking so hard. Like, that is the point. Like, we are saying the shit and giving you the energy that makes you rock so hard and we can make you fucking rock by saying dumb shit <laughs> you know and the thing is it's never like too dumb where it's just ridiculous and, and it like I, I do feel it's to a point where it's like you're having so much fun 
even if things are a little silly, you're just like, but ah, you're fucking rocking with them. Like, you feel like you're in the basement with them as they're just kicking these silly, dumb lyrics. You know what I'm saying? I remember, um, uh, you know, someone said uh, about Wu-Tang Clan, it was like, you're in the cypher with them as they're rapping. And it's like, with them, they're these, you know, super lyrical swordsmen. So the idea is like, whoa, to be among these, like, dope MCs is so cool. But with Beastie Boys, it's like, whoa, to be among these fun, cool-ass guys, I would love to do that. You know what I mean? Like, that's the aesthetic of what they're doing, you know? That's pretty much why uh, B-Boys making it with the Freak Freak and uh, the update. Because of the distortion... Ooh. They're not my favorite cuts because yeah, it is yeah. really hard to make out what they're saying, like the more so than usual. Especially bad on the that second cut you mentioned. Like I don't the know update. what's going on there. Yeah, like it's got a really awesome sample that just fucking explodes onto the scene, and it, I re- it's got really great. Um, I wrote down these like loud organ sounding chords on the second half to just booming. It's very noisy. I, I want to quote uh, one lyric on B-Boys Make with the Freak Freak. Uh, so one of them says like, And like the Knicks, I got game like a working Hasbro on the mic a bug. Like my name was Jasbo. Well, the rhymes are too stupid. Make you go cuckoo. You can't sleep because you're little Cindy Lou Who. And the next dude's like, Down with the hurrah is the Raising Hell Tour. Just listen to his cuts. There's no reason to tell more. Cindy what? I, I didn't catch that last one. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I just love that fact. I'm just like, wait, what the fuck did you say? <laughs> They've got this thing where, m- maybe not the Cindy Lou Who reference, but they sprinkle in so many, like, obscure 70s shit. <laughs> yeah, but it's so cool. I think in like- Sure Shot, they mention, like, some, like, comic book. Some like weird comic yeah, book from the comic 70- book artists, uh, uh, obscure jazz, you know, drummers, you know. Oh like- yeah, it's just <laughs> shit that they like, and it's like, what the fuck ever. We know you're gonna love this song regardless, so it doesn't really matter what we say. <laughs> this this uh, this album really is bold. Like it really is. Like it uh, is. Uh, it's like some of the shit we're saying don't make sense, but uh, aren't you having a good time? <laughs> and I love that out of all these cuts because it, this one. Like, Check Your Head kind of slept on because it doesn't have the big hits. Mm-hmm. This, though, Sure Shot, Root Down, Sabotage. Oh, one of the greatest songs of all time. <laughs> when uh, Tenacious D talk about the best song in the world, they could be talking about this one. That's how I feel about this song. <laughs> I think it's amazing that, okay, yeah, they're a fucking hip-hop trio, but... <laughs> One of their best-known songs, if not their best-known, maybe, like, after Fight for Your Right, Right. is definitely more of a rock song than a rap song. But it's so, like, you know, with their style of talking, like, their their cadence already evokes that punk rock sound. You know what I'm saying? And so, but, like, they're just saying it over this beat that is slow enough for their cadence to sound like that middle section between a rap verse and someone who's singing a song that happens to be punk, so maybe it sounds more like they're talking. You know what I mean? And that's what's so, like, beautiful about it, and God... Damn it, I love that song so fucking much. Why? I can't fucking stand it every time I listen to it. (laughs) I think what's so great about Sabotage is that because it mixes like a punk and a hip-hop and rock elements or whatever, 
It doesn't sound like what rock sounded like in 94. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really is its very own unique sound, and I can't yeah, put man. my finger on oh, what man. it is that sets it apart. But it it could just be the in your face attitude of it. <laughs> yeah, like with, uh, or just the the way it just like I don't know just breaks convention in these odd ways. Like uh, you know when he says uh, so listen up, cause he can't say nothing. You shut me down with the push of your button, yo, put him out, and I'm gone. I tell you now, I keep it on and on. And then it just like it feels like it cuts to the verse slightly early, and then you just hear the. Bold! Oh, God damn it! Uh, if I gotta turn the the dial down for a second, let me switch gears and talk about the cuts I didn't like so much. Okay. Because you know what? I think we're being too damn positive. Ooh, okay. Oh, you think and, we're being too nice to you, boy? And for this show, gotta I give, think gotta give him a little heat. Every so often, you gotta talk about do it. No, let's do it by Chris Marquis <laughs> and the Beasties. Maybe the weakest cut on the album. The hook, son. <laughs> it's like not only do you got Biz doing his thing on the chorus, it was just sloppy, just fucking spitting all over this shit. <laughs> the fucking verses aren't even really all that great. <laughs> Talking other dimensions, level higher. Why did Billy Joel say we didn't start the fire? <laughs> What? <laughs> what do you say? I got Urban Dance Squad vibes from this one. <laughs> but I can't say I hated any of the instrumental cuts. They're all they're all great. Dude, I am usually the type of person who's like, oh no, yeah, you gotta skip the instrumental tracks. It's not really like, nah. you know, it's just some loop or whatever the fuck. Like and like but I forget these motherfuckers are the innovators. These are the motherfuckers that made it cool to put instrumental tracks on your goddamn albums. These are the motherfuckers that everyone imitates to put instrumental tracks on their albums where it's not as inspired and they, yeah. it is just some loop it and leave it one minute fucking bullshit where it's just like, what was the point of having this on here? Just because you had some extra cuts that you wanted to put on there? But no, with this, it's just like, you're like, oh, it's just an instrumental track and oh, fuck, they're bringing the beat in it. What the fuck? We got a whole, oh, shit. <laughs> like, every goddamn time it happened, like, I would be like, Oh, instrumental tracking. Oh, it's three minutes. Oh, shit. What the fuck? Every single time. They go seven tracks before giving you an instrumental cut. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like every other song on the second yeah. half is a fucking <laughs> instrumental cut. They're all different. They all bring their own kind of different style. Absolutely. I would say, yeah, no. Whereas I'm normally the person who says like, oh, I just don't rate instrumental tracks. No, some of these instrumental tracks were straight up better than some of the, the songs. Like, get it like get it together with Q-Tip. <laughs> yeah, oh, that wasn't the strongest cut. It was like after two minutes, I was just like, are they just freestyling in this? Just fucking around? <laughs> it's weird because it's very surreal hearing an artist featured on a Beastie Boy song, especially this early. Well, see, what I was thinking was maybe it's kind of like a we just did fucking sabotage. Like... <laughs> we can do whatever, it doesn't where the, matter. Yeah, where the fuck else can we go? Yeah. Like, we might as well just, hey, isn't it a surprise that we got Q-Tip on our album? Ah, we're, we're hanging out with Q-Tip. Like, uh, you didn't expect that, did you? You know, like, I feel like that's the only thing I can feel where they're going with this, where it's just like, fuck, we're not, no song we put after this is going to top this. So let's just surprise you with the fact that we got Q-Tip, you know? Yeah. And Biz Marquee to a lesser extent. Yeah. Some of the songs where they're just like fucking around, like, I'll write here this, like, yeah. you know. 
yeah, you know, it's all right. In fact, yeah, the Futterman's Rule. That was one of the, one of my more favorite tracks. And then it was like, yeah. after that, you know, I'm just like fucking jamming out. And then, I'll, and then uh, they're just like, all right, hear this. And it gets to the next track. And I was like, oh, right, this is a rap album. <laughs> <laughs> I almost fucking forgot. <laughs> Shambhala, the 18th cut, where it's like this wild instrumental. It's funky as hell. But you hear this low chanting. I think that was like throat singing or something like like Tibetan monk throat singing or something. And that transitions into the next cut, which... Dude. Okay, the Beasties on this album, you could tell the maturity level yeah, jumped man. up Some of the in a we didn't even big way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we fucking went from... We kind of stepped over it like a fucking puddle in the street, but we need to talk about the I Love You sample at the beginning of this fucking album. Can you think of a weirder way to start an album (laughs) than a sample from a Little Caesars commercial, which again, super on brand for the Beastie Boys in the mid 90s. Two pizzas with 10 toppings for 9.99, that's impossible. Anything's possible. I taught my dog to say I love you. <laughs> that that loop is so iconic, by the way. I, I can't even... Mm, the, the sample of the dog saying I love you into that looped sample is one of my all-time favorite, like, five seconds in hip-hop. <laughs> like, it's so untouchable. And to start the album with it is just like, of course, what else would you start out with? You have to. Uh, you got Short Shot, you got Root Down, um, to go mm-hmm. back on Paul's, on Paul's Boutique, a song like uh, Shake Your Rump, where it's short verses about disconnecting topics that don't have shit to do with the <laughs> next thing that's being said, but it's just, your turn, your turn, your turn, <laughs> right, fucking right. pass the mic. It's all just like, yeah, what do you got? All right, what do you got? And it doesn't have to make sense. But it just fucking works, and it shows off the personality, the unique personalities of the members of the group, and it's so important to me in albums where you could tell how good of a time the people making it are having, and mm-hmm. they just sound like they're having the fucking time of their life, especially just being able to get away with recording these lush-ass instrumentals. Gee, man, I, I... No one's I, gonna I, tell I, them no! Dude, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Eugene's Lament. The crazy... Oh. Jewish fiddle sort of thing going on with the oh my god I think that might have been my favorite instrumental track right there just the way it kept bending and changing what was happening in the background it was so damn cool Ricky's theme uh, again the fucking Ricky's theme whoa man these goddamn songs they're so different and it's so incredible like I just couldn't believe what was happening to my ears like it's like what and again look at like the 1994 90, like yeah. what that moment when you have to look like what year again <laughs> it's so ahead of its time it's unreal yeah man and then getting to the last couple of tracks like so not only have we just got on this whole journey of just like 
oh yeah, like we're taking you musically to this other level. We're gonna fucking raise your fucking consciousness. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought this was so fucking goddamn cool and goddamn glorious because we see so many, you know, um, you know, a lot of like Muslim rappers that are always mm. specifically from the five percent, you know, and you know a lot of Christian rap, of course. But like, we don't really hear a lot of like Buddhist rappers talking about his religion and his views and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so when you get to uh, uh, Bodhisattva uh, vow, like it was just like hearing it, just like happening. It's just like this is so like, and just the fact that you had the intro beforehand, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it's utilizing the 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 format of their album, you know, to be like, oh man, yeah, isn't it kind of cool? Like, whoa, we're uh, this album so far has been throwing you to all these musical genres. We're the Beastie Boys. We're the fucking new Beatles. We can go wherever the <laughs> fuck we want. Oh yeah. shit. We're going to fucking Tibetan throat singing. Well, you weren't expecting that. And we're going to make it jazzy and it doesn't feel like it's weird or like appropriative or yeah. like, you know, jarring. Like it felt so natural with the way they transitioned it. It was just like, holy fucking shit. It was just so cool. Like the melding of all of these styles. And then after you get all of that, like, which is basically the intro, right? You know, it's yeah. just like, oh, wow. Like, whoa, that was really cool. Hey, we heard that. Like, you're just thinking like, that's just a nice little track there. And then you get the actual song where it's, it, I think it's an MCA solo track. Yeah, yeah. And MCA has always been my favorite one because I think he has the coolest voice, you know? So like to hear like, it's specifically him, <laughs> my favorite one rapping and telling you about like, you know, like... <laughs> how to like you know go follow the eightfold path and like all these things it's just like whoa this is so like i was not expecting this shit you know it's like uh says uh if others disrespect me or give me flack i'll stop and think before i react knowing that they're going through some insecure stages i take the opportunity to exercise patience i was like holy fucking shit that's like some shit people weren't even hearing unless they went to like their fucking therapist or some shit you know like this is like indispensable just knowledge in general <laughs> like this is shit that ki- the kids needed to hear you know and it's so funny that it's like oh don't let your kids listen to those beastie boys you might grow up to be a public menace <laughs> and you know but you, you know if you're if you're uh, following along with them you're like yeah these rowdy guys and and then you know i'm going up to college or whatever the hell and i'm you know let me check out that beastie boys record and oh man maybe i should get a little bit more religious and you know get <laughs> and forgive my fellow man <laughs> you know like <laughs> i think it's so funny <laughs> you know, these were supposed to be the rabble-rousers, <laughs> and here they are dispensing, you know, I- ideologies of, you know, forgiveness and feminism. <laughs> I like how it just ends so classy, too, on that Ooh. sound, on that instrumental cut. Like, yeah, yeah here's one more for the road. Oh, and then the way, it, like, again, you know, when you listen to an instrumental track for an album, for a rap album, you're thinking, you're thinking nothing of it. Like, ah, oh, instrumental track, whatever, <laughs> you know? But with this one, I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, we gotta listen to this one too. And then just the way they hit you with that little thing at the end. Like, you just got this little funky little beat to ride out. Oh, that was a nice little song thing, right? And you hear the little, real quick like the yeah. little rattle from the the buddhist song i was like oh my fucking god i love this album so good so so good oh man oh i think it was like in the middle of uh 
the, uh, yeah, the MCA track, uh, like, there's a part, like, right before, right in between, I think, the second and third verse, where, like, the beat breaks, and you hear, like, the ring, ring, like, some sort of, like, really tough percussion instrument. Oh, that is, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was so cool just to hear, like, the breaking of the beat happening, because it's like, you know, like, you're respecting these artists so much, and like, oh my god, they're giving me so much, and then they just, like, fucking <laughs> with that is like, this is the cleansing of your soul. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. Dude, I, oh my god, I love this album, man. Um, what would you give it, dude? I ended up giving it a four only because of some of the uh, lyrical shortcomings, but man, the fucking production cannot be talked about highly enough. Just little things like the Bismarck key cut, uh, the fact that they went to the Ma Bell got the ill communication well a few too many times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I was just like, what? <laughs> and I mean, you probably know more if you're like at the time, right? We were like, oh yeah, you know, uh, this company owns all of these phone lines. And so yeah, it's, mad it's like at an in joke. <laughs> like, uh huh, okay. But yeah, yeah. So I, I personally, I gave it a four and a half. You know, I, I think it is like an incredible album. Like the musicality is not to be denied. There were certain like moments that were just so fun that when they uh, when they just happened real quick. Like I think it's it's I think it's early on in the album where it's something happens where um like it just randomly cuts off the track for like some random sample. It's like oh man, if it's that kind of party, I might as well just stick my dick in the potatoes. <laughs> Like, I hadn't heard this album before, right? So that, that just caught me so off guard. Like, it just sounded like they got Tracy Morgan in the room or something. <laughs> Amazing production. Couple of wonky lyrics and, you know, tracks every now and then. But a solid listen all the way through, undoubtedly. Like, oh, yeah. for any missteps. Like, you're not going to be like, nah, but it's not enough where I'm really going to cut up. Like, even with the songs where I didn't like as much, where it was like, uh, I think Flute Loop, which was like a really quick track. It's like... You know, hey, you need the little cool down mini track where they're just fucking around every now and then because this is such a big album. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like you're going to different living spaces as you yeah. listen to each song, you know? It doesn't just feel like an album. It feels like an experience. It really know? is so. a fucking world tour. It takes you everywhere. I got to watch their uh, their documentary that came out this year. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I think it was like a like Apple exclusive or something, but I'm really curious. I got to check it out. Um, I gotta find out more of their fucking story because they're so infinitely fascinating. Fucking Spike Jones directed, so you know it's gonna be good. But that about wraps it up for this week's episode of the Going Off Podcast. Uh, big, big thanks to everyone who checked us out. And if this is your first time listening, all of our old episodes are on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to be taking some time off out of our control, unfortunately, but we're going to come back uh, better than ever, looking like sometime in September. And, and I'm still talking to uh, those people with um, the Quadio thing. So, like, in the meantime, we might be able to get some, like, interviews and shit. You know what I'm saying? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it, it so. would be dope if we got some stuff in the meantime to hold people over. And if you've got the requests and you're in the queue... Like I said before, it is out of our hands, but I do apologize because I can't help but feel bad, even though it's nothing I can really control. Uh, we will get to your stuff as soon as possible. If Lauren Cates could wait over a year <laughs> to have Tragically Hip 
uh, reviewed, you know, let that set an example, I guess. We also got the links, our, uh, our link trees in the description, so you can check out all the other mm-hmm. links we've got. Make sure you don't miss a fucking episode. Uh, see what we're talking about on our socials. It kind of gives you a glimpse as to what the uh, upcoming projects are going to be. All of our uh, extracurricular activities Stuff mm-hmm. going on outside the podcast, and yeah, uh, when I do my Twitch streams, you know, you exactly. can be abreast of uh, mm-hmm. when they occur. You know what I'm saying? We do some video game streams on our side, also, so you know, we'll we'll let you know when that's uh when that's going on. Uh, we got the videos every Friday. I will be trying to keep the Riff Break and Riff Comms episodes coming out on a regular basis. Uh, those are easier to produce because all the footage is already pre-recorded, uh, so there isn't a day of recording and days of listening to albums, taking notes. There's a lot less that goes into those. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to work ahead and try to keep those up. So y'all have something uh, going up every week in lieu of the podcast, but we'll be thinking about y'all in the meantime. And uh, I hope y'all will uh, stick with us through this unprecedented uh, time. I don't think we've ever been away for this long in the history of the podcast in the fucking five plus years. Until next time, whenever that'll be. <laughs> but it will be soon. It absolutely will come soon for the Going Off podcast. I'm Muse. And I'm Rap Critic. And no eyes, no ears, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no shape, no shape.